0: At First Baptist Church, our mission is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others to a joyful life with him. Our hope is that you will encounter Jesus Christ in such a way that you will have joyful news to go and tell. Turn with me now to our scripture reading for the hour. It is Galatians 2, 17 through 21. It's on your listening sheet and we're going to read this aloud together. So when you find that, stand with me and we'll read. This then is the text for today, but if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be, for if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. May God bless the reading of his word. I do have uh, a moment of, of confession and clarification. I hope you will forgive me. Um, the sermon is always a work in progress and this week's uh, morphed a little bit since the um, outline was printed in your bulletin so it won't follow exactly. Now, a couple of weeks ago, as we were studying earlier in Galatians, we, we talked about how Christians love a crazy conversion story. This is one of the things that we we appreciate and we love about the Apostle Paul, that he has this conversion story of conversion stories. The, the worst of the sinners, blinded by a light and life dramatically altered. And one of the difficulties of the Christian faith is, is often we think of that as, as sort of a pinnacle, like, like that is a, a, an, an extra holy Salvific experience to have such a thing as this. And what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is that's problematic for a number of reasons to think of conversion in that way. And today we're going to have a similar line of thinking about this Christian life. Because in the same way, often when we think about Christian life and our Christian life, we hold up dramatic examples, um, cinematic kinds of stories as a standard for this Christian life when in reality they are the exception. For instance, we hold people like Mother Teresa up as a gold standard of living, giving up life for the poor. Or in the same way, we consider somebody like Martin Luther nailing his 95 Theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg. This this is the Christian life lived out to its fullest, shining examples of what it means to be Christian. And this, too, is problematic. And problematic for a number of reasons. Uh, One of which is this. When when we, we think about this Christian life as a cinematic experience, with these grand highs, then we begin to think that we have to do these kinds of theatrical things to be impactful. That for us to be a faithful Christian, there has to be these moments of highs that can only be captured on the screen. We start to believe that this Christian life is about going big, going all out for God doing things that nobody else could think of. You see, we we start to believe that in this Christian life, if we haven't saved 3,000 people at a single time, that the life is something less. I've heard this a number of times since I've been here too, or if, if we can't fill the Alamo Dome with Christians, then our Christian life must be something less. Or if, if we aren't changing the world, then our life must be less. Or if, if we're not standing up to evil regimes, as you might see in a great novel, then our Christian life must be left. That if I'm not a cinematic Christian, I'm a less of a Christian. We start to think... That Christianity that matters is some sort of hero quest, And, and it looks like me versus the world, and for the kingdom of God, I'm going to take them all down, and I'm going to fight this world and win this battle. It's often how we picture this Christian life, when in reality, Galatians says it's the exact opposite. As we work through this Christian life in Galatians. It is the death of the hero that matters. As you turn through the pages of the gospels. Our savior is humiliated. Dying a criminal's death. And so it is with us. This Christian life that matters, matters in death. It's it's the death of the individual. It's the death of the hero. And it is the death of the hero's dream. Not even Jesus Christ said He did that which His heart desired. He said, I obey the Father. I do what the Father calls me to do. I am in the incarnation. I am submitted to the Father's ways even walking towards the cross. See, Christianity and this life that we live is not about changing the world. Christianity is not about you finding and fighting the next Goliath. We like those stories. They're they're energizing to hear. And and we want to picture ourselves as, as the victor in those stories but the victor in the gospel dies. Christianity is not about you being a victor. It's about the death of you. It's about the death of self and and the death of self to the law, you'll see that worked uh, throughout Galatians where this is in contrast to the law. And and I want to zoom out from that a little bit because we know that as the the Jewish laws and principles, they were setting over new believers and constricting their life to being Jewish first before they became Christian. But but even zooming out on that, the, the law represents human effort. And that this life... Our salvation and your righteousness is not attached to your human effort. It's not about how many laws you can keep. It's about the death of yourself. And so when when we work through the law, it's this sense of the death of my accomplishments and understanding that everything that I have accomplished and everything that I have done is meaningless to my salvation and my righteousness before God because that which needed to happen happened at the cross of Jesus Christ and my righteousness and my salvation is found in his blood and his blood alone. Christianity is the death of you going big. Christianity is the death of your big dreams, the death of your flesh at the cross of our Lord. Now we know, we see it in the pages of scripture, sometimes there are grand, action-packed things that happen in Christianity. And we know our Lord is certainly capable. Right? God can do these, these things that are marvels to our senses. But that's not what Christ in me means. That, that's not what Christ in me looks like. You see, Jesus in you, is not defined, nor has it ever been defined by you doing big and going big for God. God does not need need you to find big things to do for Him. More often than not, when we find big things to do for our God, He ends up having to clean up a mess that we made. He's pretty good at that too. You see, you can't just will yourself. To be Martin Luther or Adoniram Judson. Your salvation and and your righteousness has nothing to do with big things for God but has everything to do with the death of your flesh nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. Now don't, don't misunderstand me. God does miraculous things through. His children. He does just holy things at your hands. But but they're never what we think they are. And we we rarely, if ever, celebrate what Scripture says God actually does in us. We rarely celebrate this miracle of new life that God has, has touched every one of our lives with. See, Scripture says that you are crucified. With Christ and you no longer live but that Christ lives in you now there's something in us it's a part of that flesh that wants to believe that that means we become something like a magician that there's this this fantasy tucked away in the files of our memory that wants to believe that Christ living in me means then that I can do a parlor trick, like multiply bread at a party, turn water into wine at a wedding, walk across the water in the gulf, that, that there's, there's a piece of our mind that, that we want following Jesus to be that, not the miracle that we find in our faith. You see, the grand work of God that needs to be celebrated together in this place is the steady work of the Holy Spirit on your heart, on my heart. You know, we're gonna get to this in a few weeks. We're not quite there yet in the Scripture, but it's necessary for this morning. We rejoice in the fruit of the Spirit The grandest miracle we see and know in our lives is the fruit of the Spirit that happens in our heart. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. See, the miracle of Christ is that one day you find yourself in a situation, a situation where you would have previously lost your patience, but today you stayed calm. It's a miracle of the Lord. Love, peace, gentleness. They, they start to show up in your life in places they never have before. This this is the resurrecting work of Christ. Th- this is the new life. When we get through the description of what this new life in Christ looks like. It's not running across the Gulf of Mexico. It's love, joy, peace, patience. See, when when kindness shows up in you, that isn't you. That's that's Jesus. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You're you're not capable of that kind of kindness. And you see, the, the longer you are with Christ, the the more the flesh begins to fade away. Where you're once cruel, now you're more kind. Where, Where you used to fly into a fit of rage, now you respond with a gentle touch. This is Jesus, the miracle of miracles. And we cannot overstate this morning how critical this work is in your heart. And this is your heart healed. You see, this is God doing huge things. See, we we need to forget the dreams of making the sun stand still in the sky. God putting a halt to celestial bodies is child's play. That's nothing in comparison to the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to think through the Scriptures with me. The wind... And the waves, they never disobey God. When when Jesus says to the wind or the waves, be still, there is no alternative. In an instant, roaring foam crashing against the coast turns into glass. The surface of the water without a ripple, there is a calm that the sea has never known before. The natural elements do not rebel. But when you turn through those same pages of scripture as Jesus is saying, be still to the wind. You you see the, the masses of people run to Jesus and as quickly as they get there, they run away from him. Nowhere to be found. You see, so the most powerful work of Jesus Christ is in the individual heart of the corrupt person, healing my brokenness and placing joy where I once hid wrath. And so when we ask ourselves, what what is God up to? We ask ourselves, where is our God? What big things are happening for his kingdom? Look inward. Look into your heart. And that's where you're gonna find the most significant work God ever does putting away anger and envy out of your heart and filling it with love and self-control. This is Christ living in me. My flesh is dead, but the Spirit of God is alive. And, and we have this, this picture through the Scriptures. We see it in Luke and First Corinthians that, that this is daily, a daily death we die. And it's, it's a long and slow process for us. But, it, but it's, it's what Jesus does. He, he comes in and, and he gets rid of that old self crucified with him. And then and, and putting the spirit of God right in our heart to transform us into a holy work. You know, I mean, we have to admit so often we do more harm when we start to think, I'm going to go save the world, right? And when we picture ourselves saving the world or doing big things for God, we end up harming more than we help. We, we have these wild dreams of what God should be doing, and we try to get it done for him. But Galatians 2.20 ends perfectly for us in the work that God is doing in us. God loved me, and God gave Himself up for me. God loved you, and and God gave Himself up for you. the The work of the cross of Jesus Christ that 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 work, that sacrifice, it, it was for you. I mean, sometimes we we talk about this in a generic sense, right? That like like it was for the world, or it's for the church. But I think I think often those more generic phrases confuse our limited understanding. It's not just for them, right? It's not just for some generic group. The the cross of Jesus Christ was for you. It it was for me. My sin made the burden of the cross heavier. Your sin made the burden of the cross heavier, and, and our hearts are the recipient of that salvific work. You see, Jesus died for you, and his most prolific work is is ripping out your heart of stone and filling the void with the Holy Spirit. And the the real evidence is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And, and it's, it's these things in the most dire of situations. You see, the, all of this in the fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with your good days. Everybody can be kind on a good day. The miracle of the Holy Spirit is when you're gentle on the worst of days. When you're treated with contempt, met with an enemy, and respond with patience, that is a grand miracle of God and should be celebrated as such. To have self-control when you're, when you're treated like a punching bag is far more miraculous than telling the wind to be still. You know, I believe that, that one of the reasons that we like to think of the miraculous work of God as something else. It, or if, if we like to think of the miraculous work of God as is us being able to you know, touch somebody and say, be healed, and their cancer disappears. Or we, we like to think of the the big work of God is something like me carrying a Bible over a mountain range to an unreached tribe. And and we like to think of the work of God like this because those are external things. Or even, even like walking on water, right? That's something outside of myself. That doesn't require change in me. That requires change outside of me. Those are sorts of things that God does by defying the the physical laws that he wrote into creation. It's God manipulating molecules over there. Or it's God bringing repentance to someone else through me, right? We like the idea of, of me taking repentance over there to them and them being repentant because again, that's all external. That's outside of me, that's outside of my heart. And, and we like to think that, right, we, we, can, we can change them, who, whoever they are. Uh, I hear this often, a politician, a businessman, an athlete, that if I can get the gospel to them in the right way, I can change them. That would be a grand work of God without ever recognizing what's, what's going on in my own heart. We'd love to picture God changing other things and other people, but Christ loved you. He died for you. He loved me. He died for me. You know, we like like to think that big things of God is Him changing someone else's mind instead of my own. See, we we love the thought of other people changing, and that's exactly why God's greatest gift, God's grandest miracle, is when He starts to make progress on my heart. When He he starts to make progress on your heart, because that's never what we want. We always want Him working on them. So that when when He he starts to work on us and and we start to see more fruit of the the Spirit in ourselves, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When when we start to, to see these things in me, we should weep with joy. We should shout with with praise because then when God is working on your hardened heart, that is when the full power of God is on display. Let's pray together. Lord, would you create a new heart in me That is our prayer this morning. That each one of us would know the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us know personally this wonderful work of the Spirit. Lord, we pray that we would celebrate it The wonderful work that it is. Lord, be with us. Lord, we pray that your spirit would move with us and do a transforming work in your people this morning. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.